Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Welcome back to the Empowered Woman, Badass, and Unfiltered Podcast. Your host, Olivia, here today, and this is the beginning of Season 12. I'm so, so pumped to bring you Kim Lawton here. She has two and a half businesses. It's, <laughs> and I say half, but it's really not a half because it's a nonprofit, but she's a serial entrepreneur and she does amazing things. She, she helps people, well, entrepreneurs and consumers on so many different routes. I've got all of her links linked below. Um, she is from, you live in Connecticut, correct? Live in Connecticut. Yes. But you do have stuff in New York. You work with brands all over the world. So I'd love to get into what are some of the tips when it comes to grit and perseverance and, you know, just life of an entrepreneur. You got it. Well, I'm going to go back far in my history. So I was 14 years old and my dad was a serial entrepreneur. We lived in a very small town in Minnesota, in the Northwest corner and he was the mayor. He had a restaurant. He ran the the newspaper. And so he kind of was always bouncing around. And I didn't understand it till one day he opened a pizza shop and it was really not being run that well. And I was a 14 year old. So I was like, my friends don't go there. I could do better. And he's like, great. So he gave me the keys. But there was one thing he told me when he handed me the keys. I had to work with my two older brothers and bring them into the business. We were enemies at that time. They were 16 and 17 and I was 14. So I was the younger sister, always kind of like in their face. And I said, well, I can't do that. They hate me. We fight. Like we'll never be able to run a business. He goes, well, figure it out. And it was the biggest and best opportunity to not only get closer in friendship with my brothers, but understand we all brought something different to the table. 
I had all these ideas on what to do and how to get consumers or customers to the place. My other brother was the finance guy and my oldest brother was the ops. He like knew how to place the orders and what and what we should um, really make money onto. So like understanding the the fryer, the pizza, like what 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 the ingredients were and we all just came together in this weird way. And I don't know if my dad was a visionary and knew that this would happen, but we became really, really good friends. And we hadn't started that way. We were, you know, doing our own things and and running our own things. And the best part of this story is when I graduated from high school, so about four years later, I was 18, my dad sold the place and that was what paid for our school. So I was really happy to like have been a part of something that then helped pay for my college. It's so crazy that you've basically been an entrepreneur all your life. Yes. No, Didn't like, know all it your, though. <laughs> right. But all of your working life, you've been doing that. It's been, and when you work food and bev, it's you deal with the general public. Yes. So uh, that is, it is definitely challenging. And then, you know, I, I love that you and your brothers were able to build a better relationship because of yeah. that. So what got you after college? So what did you go to school for? I went to school for marketing and business. So, um, but I wanted to get into advertising. That was my whole, well, started off as wanting to be a lawyer until I realized it was all research and paperwork and reading and, and, and not really moving things along very fast. And I was very wanted to get, wanted to see action. And, and that was not the case when I was go, studying law for one short year, but I, I ran into someone that was doing um, the advertising program and it was in the communications department. I went to school in at the university of Minnesota and I was like, advertising is that really a career like is that something I can I can do and so I dual majored and got the business side of marketing as well and I just you know had all these aspirations that I was going to work at a big ad agency and I was going to be responsible for these you know amazing commercials that were going on the Super Bowl and all these things and when I graduated I moved to Phoenix Arizona was working for the biggest publication the it was a newsprint. It was the Village Voice Media. And I was like, thought I was, you know, on top of the world. I was getting this, you know, opportunity to work in advertising. Well, I was selling advertising. <laughs> I was not designing it. I was not coming up with any great campaigns. And I was like, wait, this is kind of deflating. But that experience led me to where I am today because I was selling advertising to bars, restaurants, golf courses, hotels, and working in the industry again. And it was so fulfilling because it was like kind of what I grew up in. And I was helping them design their ads for the, you know, they're they're, um, taking their their business to the next level to drive consumers to their account or what are their weekly promotions? So I started just being a promoter with them, right? I would go in and say, if you're trying to drive traffic on a Tuesday night, let's have trivia night or let's have this. And I, so I was offering ideas and solutions, but just giving them space in a newspaper. So it, it was really fun. Well, in my own newspaper, there was an ad to be a promotions specialist for a spirit supplier. So big bourbon company. And I went 
on the went on the interview and the person that was in my interview was my first boss, my first mentor and my current business partner. So we've worked and been in business together for almost 30 years, 27 years. Wow. Yeah. It was that it was that connection that happened and just seeing things the same. And and I worked in Arizona. He was we were we were working with a marketing agency in uh, Milwaukee, but I I that was my first kind of foray into the promotional marketing side. And as the years went on, it was like if we had our own company, we would do it this way, which I'm sure so many people say all the time. And we just created a, I'll call it a playbook. Like we wrote down every, in a journal, these are the things we would do differently. This big agency's, you know, caring about the the bottom line and not the people. And so we would do this. And so we almost like put every scenario in front of us of how we would do it differently if we owned our own business. And while that was fun, we never thought that that would become a reality. And, uh, you know, in in 2008, so which was exactly 20 years after meeting, we met in 1998, um, we started Inspire Marketing together. So it was a really big, big thing for us. But we kind of like had our playbook because we had been creating it for 20 years, learning from all these other businesses that we worked at of, and I don't want to say what to do wrong, because we took a lot of things of what to do right too. And, and that's, that was the start of the first agency. The second agency came from an opportunity with a client. We had a client that was doing a lot of work with us at the one agency. And then we had this opportunity where they came to us and said, we wanted a different solution that was really driven by education, writing training materials, facilitating training and doing brand education. So we said, well, what's the best way to do that? Let's create a whole separate company because there might be a lot of brands or or even businesses that need that kind of service as well. So it was less on the consumer front and more on the B2B front. So the two agencies really serve different audiences. What drives you? So much. I think the best part of what we do is you can see your work in real life. I said that I dreamt of creating those ads that went on the Super Bowl, but you actually don't see people what their reaction is. You might see that there was impressions or this many Mm -hmm. people watched it and all that. But what we get to do is see someone touch and feel the work that we did. And when I, when I say that, it's like, if we're, Snickers is not our client. So I'm just using it as an example. But if you're Snickers and you're having a, a commercial on the on on TV, people are engaging with it and they're having fun and they might smile, but we don't know if it purchased, we don't know what they feel about it. If I give someone a Snickers bar at a concert and give them the information about why it's so great and so satisfying and all the things that they want to talk about, but I can hear people respond to it. I haven't had this since I was a kid. I love it. Oh, this. Or, and and you all of a sudden get to see that experience come to life and see the human side of it. And that has been the most fulfilling. So if we go into a bar or restaurant with one of our, our Diageo brands, that's one of our big clients, and we talk about Zacapa rum, how it's made, the founder's like origin story, and then we make a perfect cocktail with it, and you can see someone taste it, 
and they'll tell you stories about the first time they drank a pina colada or all of these things. And then you have this human connection that you can't replicate in a digital ad or a just a awareness campaign. Like you actually feel someone's someone's reaction to the to the work you're doing. When I have worked for a lot of different concepts. And I've always enjoyed when the reps and, you know, the creators and, you know, the the breweries would come in and, and describe what the purpose is and everything behind their brand. One thing that I know, I actually, I was having a conversation with a woman on the plane a couple of weeks ago. She does, the, she's a, an attorney for, no, she's an environmentalist. And Jack Daniels is actually buying a lot of stuff from local farmers because they, it's really a part of their brand. And I don't know why that just popped up to me, but that's like one of the things that like sticks out when a company really does those grassroots efforts, or at least, cause I mean, it's, it's not easy to, no. to do grassroots stuff, to work with the smaller, the smaller farmers. And so like, that is something that like stuck out to me. There's a company that's, and I don't drink anymore, but barrel, bourbon barrel beer, basically. It, oh, it, yes, yes, yeah. So good. So good. <laughs> and they came and they talked about it and they explained why it needed to be in the specific glass. The Doing that extra step really does help produce sales because when you have a story, it goes along and you can have your salespeople go out and explain and share that with the consumer that yes. automatically increases sales. And, yeah. and so I, I definitely see that aspect of your work and why you would have so much fun with that because it's a new thing ever all, all the time. Yeah. It, it, that is like, when you said passion, I love connecting with people. We have, um, we use a platform, it's an employee engagement platform, and it's called Standout. And it basically gives you nine traits that you stand out for. So you take an assessment similar to, I call it the modern version of Myers-Briggs. Okay. And it it's not a personality per se, but it's just how you show up. And mine is like 99%. You usually have two that are very similar. Mine is like off the charts for connector because I love connecting things. I love connecting people of like, I'm that person that you tell me something. I'm like, oh, I got a, I got a guy or I got a girl. I got someone I get, you can reach out to. And, and it's just, it's, I love making those matches because you see the one plus one equals three happen in front of you. So I will not be afraid to go into a bar or restaurant by myself, order a cocktail and talk to everybody in the bar and like understand their stories, understand what they're drinking, why. And I'll come back with all this research and our clients are like, what do you do in your free time? I'm like, I'm not just at bars. I'm everywhere. <laughs> I, it's so funny. I did the same thing. Like I'll, I'll, I'll like seat a table and I'm like, Hey, they're here for this, this, and this it's, this is going on there from this location. <laughs> and they're like a lot of, one of my servers, she's just like, I never ask all of those questions. I'm like, it's people will tell you yeah. everything you need to know. Like, yeah, you know, when you just show interest. So I'm very much like you as far as like the connecting aspect. Cause I, I, 
do. I'm like, oh, I know this person for you. I know this person. And yeah, I, I definitely relate to that. So being in a marketing agency, you know, I love connecting with clients just to hear what's going on. I love walking the halls that are clients. And I know that was kind of taboo the last couple of years because you had to go through so many security clearances or not enough people in a room, but just walking through the halls of the client and saying, Hey, how is business? And you hear all of these things and you're like, I can help with that. I maybe can't help with all of it, but there's something we can help you with and not trying to openly sell them a service, but just being there to listen and, and offer a solution, even if I can't be the end result of the work. I, I just, I like helping people. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned on your journey? Do not do it alone. I think we always feel we have to have all the answers, whether that be for in front of our team whether you're pitching, because we we do a lot of work with entrepreneurs that are solopreneurs in in the food and beverage space with our nonprofit, and I think they want to do it all and have all the all of it on their shoulders. Whether it's because it's their bread, it's their baby, their their you know they came up with the idea of the pack or the product, the packaging. What I've learned is mentors are so incredibly important, and people don't know how to go get a mentor. They think a mentor is just to tell them what to do. So I always categorize mentorship in three areas. You need a coach, someone that's going to really just push you to that next level. You need a, I'll call it consultant, someone that's just listening to you, maybe not giving you advice, but just listening to let you vent or talk. Because a lot of times entrepreneurs have their own answer. They just need to share it with someone. And then there's a cheerleader. Sometimes you're just having a bad day and you need someone to be like, keep going. And if you know how to navigate that, and what I've learned is people are so willing to help. You just need to ask. And we're always afraid to ask because we're like, well, I should know this. It's my business or I should know these things. And if you take off that hat of that and be more vulnerable, I I think it's just, I can go sit in anyone's office and I'm the boss, but I'll say, I'm having a bad day and here's what's going on. And like, and people are like, oh, I can help you. Like, it's okay to do that. And, and even if it's a collaboration of like, I had this thought of doing X and now I'm not sure about it because I don't know if it's going to help me or hurt me. And people, people want to help. And you have to be aware that it's not, don't just do what everybody says, but take the inputs and then make your own decision. But I think understanding that there's so many willing and able people to help you, whether that's looking through LinkedIn of somebody who's done something similar, following them. And I've learned so much from the community of the Enthuse Foundation. We'll jump on calls and we'll just throw out an issue that's happening. Like I might be having struggles getting into a retail space because of these reasons. And there'll be five people helping them. Oh, when I did this, this happened. When I did this, this happened. And all of that intel is just their knowledge. And that's going to help you go further faster. And I think we forget that as entrepreneurs that we do have people we can call on. I have so many notes from this. I really liked what I got from what you said is 
to take the emotions out of it. Like, because a lot of times people don't share things because of fear, because of, you know, lack of confidence. And I have an affirmation myself that don't let your ego stop you from your success. Love Um, it. Because that's, that's one of the things that are constantly, oh, well, I should know this. Oh, I should. No, you don't need to, to let your ego stop you from asking the questions that you need to ask to get where you want to go. You're just holding yourself back because you think that you're all alone in this. Well, there's so, there's like 8 billion people on this planet. I'm sure somebody else had a similar problem. And I love how you really talked on, you know, vulnerability and your authenticity, really, to just share like, okay, this is what's going on. You know, adding that human aspect to it and not just doing what everybody else says. I was listening to something yesterday and it was talking, I was, it was Alux. I don't know if you've watched their stuff on YouTube at all, but it's like, they've got like 4 million, but it's all about the the future billionaires of the world. And they're always giving tips on either art or entrepreneurship stuff. And it's really cool YouTube channel. And they've got like their own app and stuff. But they were talking about how so many people are not themselves. They are always trying to be somebody else. And it takes them forever to just be themselves. And once they're themselves, they actually win. They need to stop focusing on being the best because there's only one best, but being the best version of themselves and really working on that. Is there an experience that you've had where you were really just becoming yourself? I love that. And I I will say just last night, um, I I maybe don't want to say this because I'm going to get kicked off the airlines, but I was at dinner with a team. There was a team here training and there was 10 people in town. They were at dinner and I was like, oh, I'll join the dinner. And they're like, you know, they're all kind of being prim and proper. And like the, the, the CEO of the company's here. We have to like, you know, and so I was sitting there and I said, I have this challenge. I love sitting in the exit row, but when I'm in the exit row and something happens, I'm jumping out first. I'm not saving the rest of the people and they were dying. But it was one of those moments where it's like, you just say what's on your mind and be real. And people will like, so this morning I came in and everyone came and stopped in and said hi to me when they were here yesterday. No one stopped by. They were all just like running by my office acting like, oh, who is that? But now it's like a joke and they it's like, but they're going to be real back. And I always have said to everybody, no matter what position they're in in the organization is like, I can't help you if you don't tell me what's really going on. So if I know there's a challenge with a client and know where it came from, even if it was stemmed from a mistake we did, we can't help get the, I would rather call a client and say, we're not ready for this presentation and move it, than push it forward and deliver, you know, half baked work or work we're not proud of. And I think sometimes just giving people that out of like, oh, that's okay. You'd call the client and ask for an extra day. And I was like, yes, and you should be comfortable doing that too, because you want to put the best work out there, not the fastest work or the work that mm-hmm. maybe clients understand. It's just, you need to have that, ask for that grace and they're going to appreciate you. They're going to be more happy that you took an extra day or two to deliver the work than showing up with work that needs a lot of iterations and a lot of, because then they're, they're going to be frustrated too. Yeah. 
I mean, I much rather wait for something to be, especially if I'm paying for a service, you know, I, I'd much rather wait for it to be right than, <laughs> we're, than we're, even if if we're struggling with something, like maybe we didn't have all the information and we're struggling getting somewhere or, or at an impasse, like having that conversation with the client too, saying, Hey, we're, we're presenting tomorrow. We're struggling with something. We just want to know, are we on the right track? And clients are like, more than happy to tell you yes or no, because they don't want to waste their time either. Oh yeah. And so I think that a long winded way of saying, showing your true self and every, and how you show up all the time is just like, this is who I am. If I'm with my daughter at dinner or out with her traveling or with my parents golf, like this is the same person that's going to show up at work. Yeah. How were you always that way or did it take you some time to get there? A lot of time to get there. I, I, especially when I started in the corporate environment, I was so scared of my first big meeting. I was like, not going to talk. I was going to sit there and um, the CMO of this large bourbon company turned to me in the meeting and I was the youngest person, the most junior of the entire team. And he said, I want to hear from her. And I was like, "Ah, I'm not going to say the right thing. Like I haven't been coached. And he asked questions that I knew the answers to. He was saying, you know, things like, is this audience the right audience? Are is live music the right, like are bands appreciating what we're doing for them? And he was just asking things that I knew the answers to. And it was so eye-opening because I was so terrified to be in front of these people that had a CMO title when in reality, I knew things they didn't. And then I was like, wait, it took many years to get over that, but I think people underestimate the value they bring based on their title, their role, their position in the company, and they're afraid to either say something, even if they see something could be done better. And we work really hard at our company to say any idea, just put it in. We have message boards. We have things like we don't want people to feel hindered by the level they are in the company of like, if you see something, you know, I'm not going to say we're going to do everything that everybody asks, but we want to hear from you. And we want you to feel like this is a place that you, your ideas matter, no matter what level you are in the organization. You've cultivated a learner's mindset over the years simply by like being willing to listen to everybody and and what they have to input, you know, and wanting to know those things. And it sounded like even when you were asked that question, when you were with that bourbon company, that they had the learner's mindset as well to our, a lot of people call it growth mindset, but the ability to understand that you can learn from everybody. What helps you maintain that type of mindset? It's hard because all of a sudden you're because of experience, right? Experience Mm -hmm. almost hurts you because you've seen so much. You've been through these similar circumstances so many times. You're like, oh, just do it this way. And and so I have to stop myself all the time. I was just having a conversation with one of our client leaders the other day of letting her team do something their way versus her way. And and just like understanding that you may not have, you may 
be frustrated that it's not getting done fast enough or this, but if you let them take their journey on their own way, you might uncover something that you didn't know, or they might come up with an idea that was, you know, is hidden. And I, it's hard. I, I think you have to have. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Super disciplined, and I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means, because it is easy to just say, do it this way and it will get done right. But I think we have built such a positive I'll call it checks and balances of people checking us too, of like, if we're going down a path, like we're very open to say like, Hey, if I'm saying something that doesn't feel right, feel comfortable and confident to check me. And if I'm pushing you to do something in a certain way that you see it better, tell me. And I, I think that you have to be so disciplined in your mind to break your brain from the habit of like, I see five things to do here and I can't tell them what to do. I need to let them do it. Um, And then letting people fail. I think that's very, very hard, especially when you're looking at, you're running the business. You're like, I, you know, this is hurting the business if I, if I don't jump in, but just letting people fail and and recognize that, that they had that opportunity to do it. And then they're going to come back with a better solution or, or not work out. (laughs) But, but I think if you don't do that, you train people to be robotic instead of thinking. And to your point, everyone has something to contribute. And if you let them contribute, you just see, you see flowers blossom versus just the same rose on every petal. Yeah. I wrote down, you don't develop people by doing everything for them. And that's very much what you're doing when you're allowing for people to just figure it out for themselves. You're allowing them to develop their skills. You're allowing them to actually learn to do things, why you do things a certain way. 
I do this with my staff and the people in my life. I don't allow for people to give me excuses for limiting beliefs. If they're going to tell me they can't do something because of a limiting belief, I'm like, no, you you need to come up with a better, like either tell, like <laughs> I was at my, I had my son's six month birthday party because his birthday's on Christmas and I'm, I'm oh, already getting, yeah. yep. He has to have a half birthday. Yes, I love that. I love that. I agree 100%. <laughs> so we've got all these older kids there, obviously. And this one kid tells me, he's like, oh, well, I'm not good at art. So I'm not going to, I said, no, I said, that's not, if you don't want to do it, if you don't want to paint the onesie, that's fine. Just tell me that, but don't give me a limiting belief as yeah. to, oh, I'm not good at this. That's not, that's never an excuse for me. And then same thing with staff. This one, this one girl, I told her, like, if you don't know your talking points, I told the whole entire staff this, if you don't know your talking points for the new menu rollout, you will not be on the floor because that's what it is. She comes up to me the day that she has to give me her talking points and says, you can take me off the schedule because I don't know. My I said, and I looked at her, I said, you're going to give me an excuse. You're going to give me an excuse. I said, you better go practice your talking points. Like I'm not, I'm not taking, oh, because right. I, I'm not, I'm not ready. Like not what? Ready. What? You better go get ready. Like, you... chop, chop. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you make too good of money here to be like, Oh, take me off the schedule. When you, I know you need money. Right. Like you come to work to, to and you're going to just, because you're afraid. Right. No fear is a limiting belief. I, I agree. And it was interesting there. You always have these moments that give you that wake up call to remind yourself, which is you need to kind of put and compartmentalize like, oh, that's a learning moment. My daughter was doing a paper and it was a couple of years ago. She's, she is a senior, just graduated, but she was maybe 10th, 11th grade. And she had a paper that for English class and she goes, mom, will you help me read it? And, you know, help me edit it. And I said, sure. And she goes, and don't just tell me it's good and tell me why. And she was asking me for this feedback. And I, it was such a welcoming moment where it wasn't just edit it or fix it. It was tell me what I could improve on it, but tell me why. And I was like, oh, I got to remember that when I give feedback. It's like, you always have to like take them on the journey of why I would make these changes, why this is happening. Because if you don't, you're basically telling them they're doing it wrong, but not giving them the understanding of what what could be improved. And it was so welcoming, but also I was like, how did you know to ask me that? I was so proud of her <laughs> because she could have taken the easy way out, just edit it and make it better. Yeah. Yeah. And so many people are afraid to hear the why. They just yeah. want you to just make it better. Like a lot of, I find, especially with like my generation and younger, like they, they don't handle criticism well. Like yeah. for instance, me, I, I, for the longest, I had a hard time detaching myself from my work. And then I got over that. You fall down a couple of times and it's like, okay, I just want to be better. Just tell me how to be better. You know, yeah. but a lot of, a lot of times people aren't at that stage that they right. want, they, they are open to receiving. And, and a lot of times you can't get the breakthrough that you need until you're open to receiving the help that you need. Was there ever a time in your life, Kim, that you 
needed to shift to be open to receiving help? Yes, um, there are many, I'll, I'll say, but I, I think um, when you're when you're rolling along and things are moving, you're you you kind of get in a, a zone, I'll say. And the zone happened to be for me where it was it was just I need to do everything and every and, and anything to make this client happy. And I was hurting the team around me because I was I was maybe overstepping the work that they should have been doing and and almost putting inserting my face in front of the client. So then the client kept calling me, but then I would get all the problems from the client. I would get all this. And I, and and one of our, our directors came in and she's like, Kim, you're not allowing the team to do their job. Like you're you're inserting yourself in the middle to be the problem solver and the firefighter when all of these things have to happen to them because they're not getting the chance to actually solve the problem, you're doing it for them. And so it was that, what I was just referring to, that whip into shape of like, if you didn't tell me that, I would have just kept doing it because I thought I was helping take work off your plate and I was helping the providing for the team by letting them focus. And, and all I was doing was hindering their ability to grow. I realized a lot of this, what we're talking about, especially with like the leadership and everything and allowing people to do things is you have to let go of control yeah. or the idea that there's any control of any, <laughs> you know, what are some things that I've allowed you to, you know, let go if we haven't mentioned them already to let go of that control? Uh, great question. I think um, check-ins with the team. So check-ins, frequent check-ins. I think as a manager, understanding that your check-ins aren't like, show me your deliverable list. It's what's going on with the business. How can I help? Or is there anything that is you're struggling with yourself? Because all of a sudden the, the dynamic of the meeting changes. If someone comes in and says, I have these 10 things on my list and I'm going to get them done. And it's more goal focused you lose sight of where the real bottlenecks are and and what's what's going on but all of a sudden there's an open dialogue of oh i could really use your help because this client you know answers your phone when you or when you call them they answer or i'm struggling with some hr issues and i don't know how to navigate them and it's like so you're kind of allowing your team to to collaborate with you in terms of where where you can be the best assistance instead of me kind of just observing and jumping in where I think is the best. And I, and I think that open dialogue with your team and having that trusting relationship to say, I'm here for you. I'm just a, you know, a step away, but I'm not going to get in your business unless you need me. And that's helped so much because of that. The teams then come to you when they really need you. Or they'll call you at eight o'clock at night and say, I really need your help. And and then you feel like you're giving the value they need and and providing the best. But it's just trust, communication, always communicate. Communicate with them as well of the business might be in a challenge, right? We we might, um, receivables might be late and we're short on cash. Like showing them that side of the business too turns on something to say, 
I'm responsible for invoicing. I'm responsible for making sure my clients pay on time as a director and leader in the business. So if the company is suffering because my contribution, then I need to do something. It it gives them that that control of their their actions have repercussions and showing them because I think there's so many precautions of like, if you open everything up to your team, you know, they're going to see the bad. And it's like, sometimes seeing the bad helps them be better. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes reality is is necessary. (laughs) Or Um, can't afford to hire someone, you know, and if we cut everyone's bonus by 10%, we could afford someone. Do you want a bonus cut or do you want to hire someone? And they're like, I don't want my bonus cut. But then they understand, hey, I got to rally the team to do more because I don't want anyone on my team's bonus cut. So I have, a, I have two more questions that I, I how do you, because working in the food and bev, there's a lot of stress. It's a lot of short-term and can be long-term stress too, but it's always stress. There's always like a lot of fires you have to put out. How do you help develop teams to better manage stress? So we have a lot of investment that we do in what I'll call wellness programs. And this is, we have what's called a walkie talkie. So just get out in nature and walk for this meeting and doing things that even if it's for a short stint to make sure that you're shutting your brain off. If we have Fridays in the afternoon, you don't have a meeting and just setting parameters that the company's okay with to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Um, We'll give people impromptu days off to just go have a mental health day. And I and we don't schedule those and it drives our HR team nuts because they're like, well, we did this last year. So we need to do this this year. And it's like, no, I, the, that moment of like, Hey, everybody's been doing a lot. We're just not going to work tomorrow and take everybody shut your computers and no one can send an email. And all of a sudden you're making it okay to care about your own well-being or your family's well-being or whatever that is. So we do invest a lot in giving people opportunities. We have a program called Enrich and it's all about enriching. Like if, if you, if something that motivates me might be, or de-stresses me, I should say, is reading books. Someone might be like, I want to go ride a bike or I want to. So we give people um, a a fund that they can just say, I want to like learn a new skill. I want to learn how to knit. I don't know. There's all kinds of things that come up in the in the, but just taking that time for yourself. And so the company helps um, with a fund, it's the wellness fund, and then they can take the time off needed for work to do that too. I love that. Basically setting wellness boundaries, like, all right, we've we've done enough here. Like, yeah. And and to your point, there's days where you're on 24 seven and it doesn't shut off. And so that very next day, if you say, hey, take an extra hour, come in late, like all of a sudden you're, just, you're, you're making it okay to be like, yeah, that was a bit long day yesterday. And you might not always have that, but knowing that they have to be infused in the right moments when you can take that time, we just have to almost force it. What is your favorite part of what you do? The people. I was saying how I'm a connector. Like I 
would never be able to work in an environment where I was like a solo or, you know, a factory. Like my daughter loves factories. We have a warehouse and she's like, can I go to the warehouse and stuff boxes today? Like, I love it because it's soothing to her. It's like a, it's meditation almost of like organized, orderly, some things like for me, I need to see people. They're like a battery, cell phone charger battery of like talking to people, understanding, you know, what's going on in their lives, what's going on and, and meeting, meeting that, meeting people and understanding all the things that they've done or what they do and, and just talking. I, I love it. I love the people too. <laughs> yeah. Um, you said you like to read. What are some of your books that you think every entrepreneur should read? Good to great. I've read, and I know that's a, like a very like, oh, big, it is, there's just so many par- parts of it. I've read it probably 10 times <laughs> and, and I'm just such a fan of like, when you think something's good, like look at it again and see, is this great? Is Would I be proud of this? And it just kind of puts your head into this this moment of not just getting something done. I love this book called Trusted Advisor because I've always been a client forward person and it just teaches you such simple principles of what it really means to deliver on an expectation, whether that's your product going out to market. There's this new one I'm reading. It's um, it's about for brands going into the market and it's called Marketable. And it's really fascinating and I haven't gotten through it, but it's, it's all about how to have conversations to get your brand on the shelf and understand like you, you might have a great product that consumers like on a DTC model and you're selling very well on Amazon and all these things, but what's going to make it be recognizable and um, marketable when it gets on a store shelf and you've paid premium pricing to be there. So what are the things that you can do? And it's, it's all about the customer relationships, which is I'm fascinated with because in the hospitality industry, it's all about like the customer. And so it, like I said, it's, it's very similar to the hospitality industry and, and it's, it's, it's fascinating. And then there's, um, I'm going to keep going on. Um, the food food expert he's setting the table do you know that book by i'm blanking on uh, um, not, i keep saying charlie trotter and it's not charlie trotter it's um shake shack guy um he owns all the the restaurants in new york uh, why can't i think of his name oh i'm not sure but i I've, I've heard of this book setting the table i've definitely heard of it all about hospitality and it's wonderful and it can apply to anything that you do. It's, it's not, um, it's Danny Meyer. Danny Meyer. Meyer setting, setting the table. Wonderful book. And I look at books across all industries. I don't just focus on the leadership, the entrepreneurship, because I think when you run your own business, you're touching the gamut of types of people you're interacting with, or if you're looking for investment, or if you're understanding the retail environment. So you kind of have to look across every industry to understand and and learn from other industries that you're not in. So you've got a couple decades of experience. 
what role do you think AI is going to be playing in, let's just say, the food and beverage industry? I don't. Uh, AI is fascinating. <laughs> it's, it's, it's scary at the same time. It's like, whoa. Like, so it's like this, like, I want to jump in and know as much as I can, but I also want to be super cautious. I think the biggest role that AI is going to play is not replacing my job as a marketer, but it would be enabling me to do my job better or differently or bringing things to the market faster. So you're going to need people to do the AI. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be powered by people. So it's not replacing a job of what I do. It's just how, how do you have the right talent and the right expertise to power the AI. So for example, in the hospitality industry, a robot bartender, or not bartender, I don't think a bartender should ever be a robot, a dishwasher, a um, potentially setting up the prep of the food, like the things that you're like looking at, or even doing cost analysis on for the financial side, there's a lot of things I think AI can do, but you need to have a human directing it, if you will, and managing it. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for those types of jobs of like, if you're working at a fast casual restaurant and you're, you're needing to package up the food all the same way, like certainly that would be something you would want to have automation do, but then the person giving the product to the, to the consumer or delivering, like put the humans in the place that they can make the most impact and and use AI to enable them to do better. I um, I went to Guy for for Ferrari's or oh. Fiori's restaurant in Branson, Missouri, uh, last October and or September, and he had a robot host, and I was so annoyed with this thing, right? Because to me, for one, it can't see that a person's at the other table that is trying to sit. If they got, yes. And they drop off the food too. And it, like, it's just like, I understand like these are the beginning stages when it comes Asking. to. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, but that's the way we're going. And I'm like, well, you know, it, it was a moderately priced place. It wasn't fine dining, but it was moderate. I mean, it's a $20 salad, you know? Right. So yeah. I just kind of feel like I should have a host for a place that has a $20 salad. Now, we did, there was a host that was operating the robot host, but it was just, it's very distasteful. Yes. Especially in the market that they were in. Branson, and this was off season. It is an older community, very much more baby boomer community. They don't want that. No, (laughs) that is the last thing they want. And that's a really, really good point. Knowing your audience, right? Knowing your audience, knowing your consumer. And if you're not meeting them there, you're not delivering hospitality, in my opinion. And I mean, me, I'm originally from the South. I'm used to people, but at the same time there, I do feel like there are situations where a robot would be better. Yeah. Like I, if, if it's bad service, I'd much rather have a robot give me a smile on a screen and say, thank you for coming. than deal with a person with a bad attitude. 
Right. Right. Because at that point, I'm just like, well, you know what? There's a robot that can replace your job because yeah. it's, you know, like <laughs> we, can, we can start cutting costs. I was, and I'll give you an example. I was at the gym and I went to get a smoothie and you had to type in the, the, the screen to get the smoothie ordered. The person was there for like three minutes and he didn't talk to me until he was like, he was asking about my ticket specifically. And I'm looking at, I was like wondering if it was shift change because all these people started coming in, but they were talking to themselves, to each other, not to the gym members. And just, it was very distasteful to me. And I'm like, you know, I'm paying seven, $8 for a smoothie. Yeah. I could, I could at least have, you know, a thank you for coming or something. Yes. And I'm like, you know what? I'd much rather have just had the machine make it for me. Right. Like, right. Walk up and push the button. I There's something interesting, though, about when COVID hit and we had QR code menus and everyone was like, this is the best thing. We don't have to touch a menu anymore. There's like, you know, menus were this like, but they've all come back. I haven't went to a restaurant in probably the last year that has a QR code. And if I if they do, it's kind of just to supplement maybe the specials or something. And it's because people want to touch and feel something and they want to like read and they want to like understand or have someone explain it to them. They don't want to just push a button and place your order. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, we've definitely got a, a very interesting wave of life. And I, I, I do, I don't think that AI is going to replace everybody's job I think you're going to need to know how to operate AI so yeah. it's like it's so yeah. important not to just be like oh no I'm not gonna do it. it's here it's, it's, it's not it's going here. yeah it's not the genie's not going back in the bottle yeah no we've already <laughs> expanded you know once we expand it's real hard to contract and then and if you think about in the restaurant just like the restocking the shelves you know, putting, counting the bottles, like all the things you've done as a restaurant manager or or industry where, you know, there's a lot of like after hours work that takes time. And if that could be automated, I'm welcoming it. I would love to never have to count another wine bottle again. Exactly. My company refuses to get our like wine books on tablets. They refuse that. So because of that, it's hard to keep up with the inventory the same way right. as I would be able to if it was sold out of a tablet that pulled from that the inventory right away, yeah. if it was connected. But a lot of our inventory is not connected. It's not the same thing as our point of sale system. Mm, got it. So, so not- yeah, while it, it doesn't just automatically pull, we still have to do our accounts every uh, two weeks. You know, so. Well, it's going to be, I, I'm excited for it. Like I said, I'm I'm equally as nervous, but I, you know, to your point, it's not going away. So how do we embrace it and, and understand it the best way that we can enable our, our work to be better? Well, Kim, I've, I've learned so much from you today. This was, this was, a, it was really good. I'm, I'm so grateful that you came on and shared like, where can people find and connect with you? 
So you can find me at LinkedIn. So it's K it's Kim.Polchinski. So that was my maiden name. So it's still on there on my LinkedIn profile. And then you can also go to Kim.Lawton, www.kimlawton. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was such a pleasure having you. And yeah. Yay. It was so fun. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Liberty sees me, it stands by me, and celebrates me for who I am. When I come into the office, I feel that I belong here. I don't have to be corporate America Gabby. I can just bring Gabby to work. Reach your potential and find a job you love at Liberty Mutual. We offer development training, rich benefits, and a culture that lets you bring your whole self to work so you can pursue your tomorrow today. Ready to consider a career at Liberty Mutual? Find out how at LibertyMutualCareers.com.